Well, for those of you I have not had the chance to meet, my name is Pastor Caden. I'm the youth and the young adults pastor here at Lompoc Foursquare, and it's awesome because the youth and the young adults are hungry for God, and we're seeing God move in big ways throughout those two ministries. Um, I did want to update you guys on what's going on in youth group. Youth group, God is moving in the youth of Lompoc right now in such profound ways, and it is so cool to see, like, us leaders, we're, like, stepping away and just letting God do what God wants to do, and we're seeing just breakthrough emotionally, spiritually. Um, We got a bunch of student leaders who are helping lead the ministry now. We got two of them sitting right here. Come on. So God is just, is, is up to some big things, and it's cool just to be a part of it and get to see it happen. So thank you for those of you who are praying for us. We desperately need your prayers. Uh, youth ministry can be a, a, a journey, a journey, <laughs> a fun journey, but it's good, it's good. So we've been in this series going through the book of Galatians. Who's loved it so far? Yes. Amazing. Yeah, you've been teaching most of the messages, so I hope you think it's Amazing. We've been in this series just kind of going through the book, going through what Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, and this week we're getting into Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, and I just need everybody to take a deep breath, and thank you, Pastor John, for giving me the scripture. It's going to be fun. Are you ready? I'm going to pray first, and then we're going to hop into the message. Cool? Cool. Well, Lord, we just invite you into this space, Lord. Your word says where two or more are gathered, you are there with them, and Lord, we just invite your presence into this space, and we say, Lord, would you have your way in the service, would you have your way in your people, Lord, and we just trust you, and we praise you, and it's in your name. Everybody said, amen. Remember, church, amen. One more time, amen. It's what we do at youth group, so obviously I'm going to make you do it. All right, Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, Paul says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Deep breath. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have said before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Aren't you glad you came to church today? (laughs) What a piece, what a chunk of scripture. We're going to wrestle with that for a few minutes. Are we good with that? We're going to wrestle with it. Point number one is this, the struggle of a believer. The struggle of a believer. The struggle of believers, which is our flesh, our sinful nature versus the spirit and a life led by the spirit. These opposite appetites are illustrated in the Bible in many different ways. Some scholars say that just as Isaac and Ishmael were unable to get along, so the spirit and the flesh, so the, sorry, so our sinful nature, our, our flesh are at war with one another, with 
the Spirit and living a life by the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit controls the body, then we walk in the Spirit. But if the flesh controls the body, then we walk in our desires. We're drawn towards sinful nature. We're drawn towards the things of the flesh. Again, we see throughout Scripture these different ways of of what's portrayed as unclean or what's portrayed as pure. And I was reading uh, Warren Wearsby's commentary, and he kind of went through these what I think is fascinating kind of illustrations towards how we can differentiate between the two. And he says, the sheep is a clean animal and avoids garbage, while the pig is an unclean animal and it enjoys living in filth. We see sheep cast in one light throughout scripture and pigs cast in a whole other way throughout scripture. He goes on to say, Uh, From the story of Noah's ark, he says, After the rain ceased and the ark settles, Noah released a raven, and the raven never came back to him. The The raven is naturally a scavenging type of bird, and what it found when it was released was a lot of dead things to feed on. It saw what was dead, it saw what was unclean, and it chose to feed on it rather than going back to somewhere clean. But when Noah released the dove a clean bird, it would come back because it couldn't find anywhere to live that was clean. So the last time he released it and the dove didn't come back, Noah knew that it had found a clean place to settle down, and because of that, Noah would have known that the waters had begun to recede. Our old nature, our sinful nature, is like the pigs and the ravens. Always looking for something unclean, always looking for something that's not good, always looking for something sinful to feed on. Whereas our new nature, being led by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, is like the sheep and a dove who is always naturally drawn to what's clean and what's holy. So you kind of read that and you kind of chew on that for a second and you're like, no wonder there's a struggle that goes on in the hearts of each believer. No wonder there's this battle that's going on, like we're in a constant game of tug war, trying to like, ah, I don't want to live by the world, I want to live by the spirit, but the world looks so appetizing, I don't really know which way to go. I know I shouldn't be doing certain things, but man, that certain thing sounds so good right now. And it may seem obvious, and I want to say this, church, I want to say this very clearly. When we're talking about this scripture, Paul is writing to the church. Paul is writing to the church of Galatia. So when we're going through this list and we're talking about our sinful nature and we're talking about living a life led by the Spirit, when we're talking about our sinful nature, it's for believers. This is not directed towards the people who don't believe. This isn't directed towards the people who are not in this. It's not directed towards the unbelievers. So for you to hold those standards against them is unfair to them. It's for us as believers, it's a standard that we've been given to live by, not the people who are, have yet to make Jesus their Lord and Savior. So I want to be very, I want to point that out because I don't want you leaving this room and being like, you're living a sinful nature. It's like, I don't even know who Jesus is, right? Like, we don't want that, okay? Cool, moving on. Paul is talking to the church. He's talking to the people who have given Jesus, they're yes, and he's reminding them that there's still a temptation of the soul going on, a battle between natural sinful nature and a life led by the Spirit. We, you and me as believers, 
are still day in and day out tempted to fall into the ways of the world. When we choose to follow Jesus, this is so real for me. I was, I didn't know anything when I met the Lord. Really, I didn't. I was coming out of a crazy lifestyle. I thought like the second I gave my life to Jesus, it was going to be like, boom, all of my sinful nature is gone, right? I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to be awesome. And then I very quickly, in like a day in, I'm like, oh, that's not true. <laughs> I am still a messed up, broken human being. But I remember, so, so context in the story here a little bit. I had just come out of like a four-year heroin addiction. I was living a life that was, that was fueled by drug addiction, doing what I knew wasn't right, and I kind of had this epiphany, decided to never touch, touch drugs again, and a couple months later, I like entered a church somehow. Well, my best friend invited me, but anyways, I, I walked into a building that I never thought I was gonna walk into. And I'm kind of going through the motions, I find a community who loves me despite what I had walked through, I found a community who was like, I see your potential, I see the potential God has given you, and we just want to walk alongside you in that. But I had given my life to Jesus, and I was still in this constant battle. I was like, well, if I go to church on Sunday, and I worship, and I hear the word, and I'm doing all of those things, but I quickly realized that on Sundays I would go to church, but on Mondays I would go to the bar. On Sundays, I would go to church, but on Mondays, I would go hang out with my friends and do all of the things that I knew I wasn't supposed to be doing. Until finally, it clicked one day, I had to go away from those things to fully live a life led by the Spirit. I had to fully push those things aside because they were hindering my relationship, my growth that only came from walking by the Spirit, living a life with Jesus. So I knew I had to say no to certain friend groups. It wasn't healthy for me. I knew I had to say no to the other bad things that I was doing. I couldn't cuss anymore, right? That's like, spoke like a sailor. I needed to get rid of that. I needed to push those things to the side to the point where I stopped listening to secular music because it was drawing me to an old lifestyle that I was living in. I had to say no to that and I had to say yes to the Spirit of God and walk with the Spirit of God. And it's true for all of us, not just on day one, not just when we're baby Christians, but whether you are one day into following Jesus or you've been following him for years, letting the Holy Spirit guide our lives and walking by his Spirit is a daily decision a daily surrender for our lives. And Paul is talking to every single one of us who calls ourselves believers. If you're a believer here in this room, please do not check out. Do not be the person who's like, I'm perfect, I don't have temptation, I don't sin. We all know that's a lie. We're just gonna address that right now. We're all human, and scripture says we all fall short of the glory of God. So stay with me today. Paul has encouragement and he has hope to offer us in the following scriptures. So we're going to go back to verse 16. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So this inner battle in the life of every believer, walk and be led by the Spirit or follow the temptations of the world. Of the world. Now in this scripture, we've kind of touched on it briefly, but a lot of translations say flesh. I thought the NLT um, portrayed it in a better way where sinful nature is really what we're talking about. 
I, I, I was reading through a commentary, and um, most scholars put it like this. Our bodies are neutral. Our bodies are neutral. It's not like when we're talking about flesh. It's not your flesh and blood and your bones and your eyelids and your toes and your ears. Like, we're not talking about that flesh. We're talking about our sinful nature, the things that we naturally are drawn to outside of living and walking with Jesus. So point number two is this. The Spirit enables us to overcome the flesh. The Spirit enables us to overcome the flesh. And again, not the literal body, but the desires of our flesh that we seek out due to our natural inclination to want to sin. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Are you ready? When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate you, man. Before we go any further, I want to I be very clear. When Paul is, is laying these things out, he's not saying, do this once and you will not inherit the kingdom of God. What Paul is, is talking about is an act, isn't an act of sin, but a habit of sin. When we make it our life, when we make it our identity, when we make it the things we do in and out of every single day, it's not the, like, we're all human. We're going to mess up, right? We're all going to act out in a certain way. We're all going to sin in a certain way. But when we make it who we are, when we make that sin our identity, is when it becomes dangerous. And Paul is, just, is that's kind of the, the way he's coming at this. Like, don't make these things habits of yours. Don't make these things who you are and part of your life. Sexual immorality, what he's talking about is anything outside of the biblical ethic of marriage between a man and a woman. Selfish ambition, we are selfish by nature. Who's selfish in the room? Come on. Eli, your hand went up way too quick. (laughs) And our society reinforces the you do you, live your truth model of life that you can keep, that keeps us self-centered and self-ambitious. It keeps us in that kind of way. It keeps us locked in to only thinking about us. Like when I had a kid, I was like, man, Caden, you are the most selfish person that I have ever met in my life. It's like we got a newborn crying, and I'm like, but I want to go play Xbox. Like, <laughs> or it's like, hey, babe, you know, I want to go golfing on Saturday morning. Is that cool? It's like, baby. And it's like, oh, but I want to go golfing, right? We're all naturally selfish, and we all naturally think about ourselves first because we're broken. Another one many of us struggle with is jealousy. We envy what our neighbor has because what we don't have. We constantly compare, especially in this era of social media. It's all comparison. It's, well, why can't I have that? Why can't I be like that? Why can't I look like that? We compare over and over and over again when Jesus is kind of like, I made you perfectly. You're perfect just the way that I made you. You don't need to be like that person because I've made that person that way. He's created you on purpose for a purpose. We were created to worship. It's in our design. So giving over to our sinful nature 
could be worshiping, giving too much time or attention to something, whether that's a good or bad something, that isn't Jesus. Jesus wants the number one spot. But typically when in our human brokenness, in our sinful nature, we can begin to move Jesus to number two, to number three, to number four. And not saying the things above him are bad. A lot of the time it's family, it's work, it's sports, it's school, whatever it may be. But Jesus is like, those things will be better if I'm your number one. So we can't worship things, worship things more than we worship Jesus. We shouldn't worship anything other than Jesus. But we can so easily put things in the place of who Jesus is to us. When we've been hurt, our nat- natural inclination is not to be empathetic. Amen? Or to pursue reconciliation, we just accept the relational divide. This is something, I was talking to somebody after first service. I'm being vulnerable with you right now, okay? When I was writing this message, all I could keep thinking about, especially in this one, is I am such a bad person. I am, <laughs> I'm a work, I'm a work in progress, but my natural inclination when somebody does me wrong is to cut them out. I'm done with you. And it's how I was, I, it's how my brain is wired and I'm working on it because I know that's not Christ-like. I know my job as a Christian is to one, talk to that person, and seek some sort of reconciliation. But in my brokenness, I'm like, well, you've done me wrong, so I'm kind of just over it. But that's not the way that Jesus has called us to be. We're supposed to love others as he's loved us. So these are all things Paul outlines as, as giving into our sinful nature. I think we can get caught up, I think we can easily get caught up in a lie that our sinful nature is characterized by these big sinful moments or these big struggles in our lives, but oftentimes I've realized that these things play out in the quiet of our souls. These things play out when it's just us sitting alone in a room in the small moments and in the small decisions in our life. Our sinful nature plays out in the little moments that can lead to bigger struggles. Like who has had somebody just like kind of rub you the wrong way one day and then you think about it throughout the day and then you go to sleep thinking about it and you're like, well, if they say this to me tomorrow, I'm just going to blow up on them, right? You like picture the fight when you're in the shower in the morning. You're like, I'm going to get them today. But it was from nothing. It was from just a little backwards comment that then escalates into that. The little things in our life can oftentimes turn into bigger struggles that we deal with, which then makes them a sinful moment. How the Holy Spirit enables us to overcome the flesh happens when we surrender our will. We surrender our will and we surrender our desires to the Holy Spirit. We have to be willing though because it's a choice. God's given us the ability to make that choice. It's our choice to surrender our will and our desires. And when we are willing to surrender those things, our heart's desires begin to align with his heart, with his purposes. Our hearts are transformed toward obedience out of a love for him, for what he's done for us. When we choose to fully surrender, choose to walk by the spirit and choose Jesus in our life fully, we're in a broad scope of things choosing to crucify our old nature. We're choosing to die to our old nature. Paul explains that believers 
are identified with Christ in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. Jesus not only died for me, but I died with Jesus as well to my old ways, to my old ways of living, my sinful nature. Jesus died for me to remove the penalty of my sin, but I also willingly choose to die with Christ to break sin's power in my life. Now, obviously, what Paul is saying here when we're using the word crucify, it's not a literal, like, you need to, you need to do that. He tells us that the flesh has already been crucified. It's our responsibility to believe this and then act on it as believers. We must conscience, consciously choose to walk away from our old nature, the flesh, and choose to keep in step with the Holy Spirit who lives within us, and we need to follow his guidance and his leading in our lives, not the ways of the world, not our sinful nature, because those things, those things' goal, hear me on this, is to draw you farther away from Jesus. A life led by the Spirit and with the Spirit is closer to Jesus. Point number three, walk by the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. This word led in Greek literally means to fall in line. Like, be led, fall in line with the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. So when Paul's using this word, he's saying be led by the Spirit, he's literally saying fall in line with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit so he can guide you and lead you into righteousness because you can't do it in your own strength, but you can do it with his strength. Previously in the chapter, this Paul's a genius. Paul's a genius. Previously in the chapter, Paul asks, who jumped in front of you or who cut you off? Who is leading you? Is it Jesus or is it something else? Is it some rule? Is it some law? Is it some distraction? Who or what has cut you off? And it's so, it's just funny how he says that earlier on and then all of a sudden out of nowhere he uses this word that means fall back in line with the Holy Spirit and his prompting for your life. Fall away from those things and fall back into line with me and my will for your life. If we are being led by anyone or anything other than Jesus, even as believers, we open the door to old nature instead of allowing the spirit to lead us into a new nature. So maybe some of us today need to do a little life assessment, not out of a, a way of condemnation, not out of a way of shame, but a real heart assessment. Where are we at? Where are we at? Are we, are we kind of leaning more towards sinful nature or are we choosing to surrender those wants and those desires so we can fall back in line and be led by the Spirit? As we think about the attributes that are characterized in our lives, what do we see? Because a life in the Spirit leads to a life characterized by love. A life in the, a life in the Spirit leads to a life characterized by love. I left this out intentionally at the beginning, but going on after he, he hits us with the big list of, of our sinful nature, he says this, he says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and all of our favorite, self-control. All of these fruits, one could argue, start with love. I think Paul put love at the beginning for a reason. Because as Christians, we love because he first loved us. But when these fruits are, are stifled and they're choked out, when we choose to love ourselves, when we choose to love 
our sinful nature, love our flesh, they can't grow. Love, joy, peace, patience, all of these things have a harder time of growing in us when, when we're choosing to live a life that's naturally drawn to our sinful nature. I heard it, I heard it best put like this when talking about the gifts of the Spirit and, and the fruit of the Spirit is gifts are given and fruit are grown. We have to grow those fruits in our life. We have to invite Jesus into our life so those things can grow out of us in our lives, right? A life characterized by love that happens from closeness and relationship with Jesus that happens from being led by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit. Those things will naturally grow out of us because of our closeness to Jesus. So if we took an honest assessment of our life today, right now as we sit here, Together, what do we see? What do we see as the things that are being produced, not just here on Sundays, but who you are on Monday? Pastor John said something last service where it kind of clicked in his head, and, and we look, we're looking at these two lists, right? The list of the sinful nature, but a, light, a list of like what's produced in us when we walk with the Spirit. And he said it so it's like, which list do you want to choose? Do you want to choose the list of, of your sinful nature or do you want to choose the list of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the good things that are produced out of us? So who is leading you? Or what is leading you? Are there things in your life that, that receive more attention than your relationship with Jesus? Are we experiencing his, his joy and his peace? Are we able to offer his love and kindness to the people around us at our schools and, and at our workplaces and our families? Or are we struggling with temptation and need help with personal self-control? Are we surrendering our personal wants, our needs, our desires, our wills to his leading, to his spirit? Are we doing these things? Again, not in a way of shame. I, like I told you, I'm working on a lot of these myself and it came very clear to me when I was writing this message. So I don't want to do anything over the top or special. I just want to pray for all of us. Pray for all of us that, that maybe the Holy Spirit would correct us, but not in a bad way, just pointing us from the left to the right, back into his alignment, back into us walking by the Spirit. So Lord, we, we invite you into our lives. We invite you into, into who we are, Jesus. And Lord, I just ask that, that if we hear anything, Lord, that we would just wanna be a people, a group of believers who are characterized by love, characterized by the fruits that you wanna pour out of us, Jesus. And it starts with love because you first loved us. And Lord, I pray that, that if anything's come into our minds or, or stirred in our hearts, Lord, that we need to surrender and we need to lay at the feet of you, Jesus, I pray that we would lay them there, but they would stay there. They would not walk out of this building with us when we leave. Anything that we've put in front of you, anything that's naturally pulling us away from, from walking by your spirit and being led by your spirit, Lord, I just pray that it would be gone right now. And Lord, I pray that, that we are encouraged and that we are hopeful that as we walk by the Spirit and we fall back in line and be led by the Spirit, Lord, we would go out and we would serve your kingdom and do good works in the city of Lompoc. Lord, we love you. We trust you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.